to build a company which is anti-fragile, it means that every person in the company can make decisions and take calculated risks. And therefore, we have the leadership principles that guides them how to do that. But more importantly, we, I also worked from the very beginning on building a very strong leadership team. Welcome to Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, today joined by Jack Pierce. On the show, we've got Shahar Bailik. He is the CEO of Curve. So another fintech podcast coming your way. And this one really interesting because we're talking to a company who's successfully scaled and are still growing at a rapid rate of knots. So we've been able to get under the skin of the CEO and find out how he's done that successfully. So if you're a leader looking for inspiration from your peer group or you're just interested in technology, this is the podcast for you. Good morning, Jack. Hello, David. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well indeed. Have you had a good week? Yes, won 8-2 at football last night, which was... uh, quite quite lovely um i've actually been alone this week rosie got called over to new york last minute for some work so i'm living Aww. like you know you know that awful film that russell brand remade uh called arthur i'm trying my oh, best yeah to sorry live for like- a minute I, I was really confused i i i initially thought russell crow russell crow rather than russell <laughs> brand i was like was he in that? Imagine, that? It'd be such a good film if it was him originally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been trying my best to live a bachelor's life, but um, all I I've see. done so far is have friends over for takeaways. So yesterday, I uh, I had the chance to um, see Gary Kasparov in the flesh. You're going to have to elaborate. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. Really? So, well, I t- I oh, come man. on. Political activists, but also like 80s, 90s, uh, Bobby Fischer and Gary Kasparov, like grandmaster. Oh, chess players. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, he was was like grandmaster of chess. Uh, Anyway, he was was at Digital Transformation Expo uh, down at Excel, talking about AI and tech and all sorts of things. Now, has he, did he beat the computer? You know what? I don't actually know. I need need to have a look into that. That didn't come up in, in the talk yesterday, but... If you want to have a look, it's on the Disruptive Live oh. feed because they, they got me down to do some co-hosting. Yeah, you are, so. we owe Disruptive quite a bit, to be honest, don't we? So that's fine. <laughs> hey, I was, I, was, I was doing a bit of co-hosting for them. I was, yeah. I was like the, the not-so-well-informed industry expert. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Anyway, um, let's dive into today's interview. It is with um, Shahar Bailik. He is the CEO of Curve, a fintech solution but not replicating another service that you're already seeing from your bank. So we'll dive into the interview and then myself and Jack will have some thoughts. And at the end of the show, we've obviously got a bit of tech news. So on today's show, we are doing something that I always love doing. We haven't done enough of it, but we have sometimes revisited old guests. And today we have Shashar Bailik, the CEO and founder of Curve on the show. And Shashar, you, were, you joined us probably in 2017, first time around, right? Indeed. Uh, good to be on the show again. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I think since then we we moved offices and basically quadrupled our number of employees. Uh, so that has been going on since. It's, it's fair to say that you've done well in the intervening period. <laughs> yes, we have done well. It has been a team effort. It wasn't easy, uh, uh, but we, we, we've done very well and, and, and achieved the results we set to ourselves. I, I think of all the guests that we've had on twice... Only really Babylon 
mirror that level of growth in between interview one and interview two. Um, so look, fantastic. Well done. Um, for those for those listeners, because we do now have a, a bigger audience than we had when you were first on the show, uh, for those listeners who aren't familiar with Curve, do you mind just spending 30 seconds putting some context around what it is that you guys do? Yes, of course. Uh, so Curve uh, is offering the customer a card that consolidates all your cards into one card and one app. So you down the Curve app, you take a picture of all your cards. The next day you receive the Curve card. And from that moment on, you can use all your cards to one card. But more importantly, uh, that one card has a lot of magic in it. It supercharges all your bank cards. Uh, it allows you to spend money abroad uh, without any exchange fee at the mid-market rate. Uh, it allows you to go back in time if you made a transaction on the wrong card. Uh, even after you made a transaction up to 14 days. Uh, and you can also earn daily cash, 1% cash back at your favorite retailers from Amazon to Uber to Get Taxi. It's really a no-brainer. And the reason it's such a no-brainer is because unlike challenger banks, we are not asking customers to move their money from their banks and into a new fintech they don't know and they can't trust. Uh, we actually think banks doing a great job keeping your money safe and you sh- your money should kept at the bank of your choice. Uh, whether it's one bank or five different banks, and instead connect them all together to one over-the-top banking platform. And that's also what's very unique about Curve uh, compared to everyone else in the market. Uh, many, many others in the market think that the way to simplify uh, people's finances is by creating a better bank. Uh, but that means that there is a problem with your bank or the job that your bank is doing. And we truly believe there is no problem with your bank the job the bank is doing. Uh, yes, there's problem with the experience. Yes, there's problem with the fees. Uh, but we can solve that without changing your bank. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting listening to you say that because I'll be perfectly honest, it mirrors my own use of fintech banking applications. Yeah, so you probably, I can assume, you have probably more than one fintech in your wallet, one for FX, one for sending money, one maybe for budgeting. And, mm. and it just accelerates. The more fintechs out there, the more better propositions out there for customers. And the more fragmented the market becomes, the more relevant Curve is for you as a customer. And you can also see it with our data. Our median age is 34 years old. That means that 50% of our customers are over the age of 30, are 35 or, or more. Whereas if you look at the median age of the challenger banks, it's around 20, 21 years old. And it resonates implicitly that their customers are customers who are not necessarily unbanked, but just start the relationship with the banking system. And mm-hmm. it's easier to switch them. Uh, I'm not so sure how much it's easy to uh, ensure sustainable revenue to the, to the company through those customers. Whereas our customers are uh, significantly more, uh, uh, have, have a significantly more complexity in, with their banking system and also are likely to be more fluent or have more available spend just because they have a, probably a family with children and they're more experienced in their work, so they're earning a bit more. And this is exactly where Curve fits. And, and Curve's approach to the problem is, by the way, no different than what uh, amongst what, what uh, the most successful companies that we use every day uh, have taken as an approach. Uh, Spotify did not try to build a competitor to Sony Music or Warner Group Music. They've just built an interface on top of their um, content. And Netflix started by uh, not creating their own content, by creating an interface that allows you to access uh, the content that you love and discover new content based on your DNA. And that's the same curve. Sorry to jump in, but I suppose the, the question I'd immediately have is, 
you you will have differentiators, but I suppose your biggest player, your biggest competitors in the market are not the other fintech challengers, but maybe the likes of Google and Apple and those that are in the digital wallet space, surely. Uh, yes, it's definitely not the fintech. So we see as biggest competitors. If anything, um, we see them as as complementary, or we see ourselves as complementary to them. Is you can add your Monzo, your Valus, your Starling banks into Curve, um, but uh, it's not necessarily Google's and the Apples of the world. Uh, Apple is building a, a wallet interface which you can uh, will soon will be able to add your Curve card to and still use Curve within your Apple Pay just like any other bank card. Uh, the competitors we see in the future are more the likes of the WeChat and Alipay's of the world. And there is right, a, okay. a built a similar over-the-top banking platform in China extremely successfully. Uh, they have remarkable engineers and remarkable know-how. And now they're using the buying power of the Chinese as they come to Europe uh, or internationally to introduce their own uh, QR code network and right. enhance their services to the Western world. And, and it is, it is, te- it is tech-thin in China, isn't it, rather than fintech? Exactly. Um, And it is, I suppose it is that slight fear that where you've got a market the size of China that allows for that much um, data and innovation because of the sheer amount of of available customers within China, that they they then do break out of that market with considerable clout. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's it's more that the Chinese people are very much a kind of traditional family and groups uh, led. So they're all coming together to the same shops, the same stores, buying at the same places, uh, which creates a huge buying power, if you'd like, or a huge ability for the tech things, the Alipay's and WeChat, to push their proposition into the market. And and, and we, we see them as direct competitors uh, if they come to the market. But more importantly, um, we see... Uh, them competing not just with Curve, but with anyone in the market, uh, even with the likes of MasterCard and Visa. Uh, they're mm. trying to create an alternative networks to MasterCard and Visa here in Europe. Out of interest, does Curve allow you to add, uh, and forgive me if I've, if I've missed this in, in what you've been saying, but loyalty cards and the like, because, um, you know, I go and get coffee most mornings from Harrison Hall and I have to go into the Harrison Hall app. And I end up now going around all these retail outlets with lots of virtual loyalty cards in various different apps on my phone. Um, or is it is it primarily traditional um, uh, banking uh, propositions that you're adding into that wallet? So indeed, uh, adding loyalty cards into Curve and really moving your wallet to the cloud, it's something that is on a roadmap, uh, but we don't support it yet, uh, unfortunately. It's all a matter of prioritization and listening to our customers and prioritizing the work based on what our customers' needs are. Uh, however, the curve does give you a, a strong element of loyalty with its uh, daily cash. So with mm-hmm. curve, um, you can select uh, three to six retailers uh, and from a long list of high street brands from Amazon to Uber to GetTaxi to Sainsbury to Waitrose to Tesco, even Howard's and Selfridges. And every time you go and shop there with your curve card, doesn't matter which card you have be behind Curve, uh, you will get uh, immediate, real-time 1% cashback into your Curve cash. And it's your money. And that's the, pre- the pre- pretty um, exciting um, element of Curve cash is that this 1% cashback that is loaded instantly is yours to be spent anywhere you want. No restrictions. Yes. So if I spend a £1,000 on Amazon, I get immediately 1% cashback that I can go and spend anywhere I want, this £10. 
I suppose the thing that really strikes me as intriguing about that is you're setting up that interface, but also looking at currencies in a slightly different way, in a slightly more fluid way, and I suppose puts you in a very nice position should we start to break away from the traditional fiat currencies into something slightly different. Yes, indeed. Uh, for example, with Curve, uh, the way the currency element of Curve operates is that unlike other uh, products, you don't need to uh, budget and figure out how much you're going to spend and pre-buy those currencies so you can then spend them at the mid-market rate. With Curve, you can spend uh, anywhere you want with your underlying cards. And as long as the currency is supported by us, we will immediately convert it at the mid-market rate. So your bank will never charge you those FX fees or, or high exchange rates. And with Curve, you immediately get uh, the zero effects. Think of it like an automated ad adapter. Uh, as I'm traveling from the UK to France, I need to have a different adapter for my, uh, for my socket, electrical socket. Curve immediately adapts. Uh, so you don't even feel about it, that there's anything different. So look, you've described there some really interesting features Features alone aren't going to allow you to, to have that growth. What, what do you put that growth that you have achieved down to? Is it the culture? Is it the ability to access investment? I'm guessing, guessing it's a whole range of different things, but growing a startup, that scale piece, is, is something that's a bit of a, a magic formula that everyone's looking for. Yeah, definitely uh, focusing on the customer and building a better product uh, is the right way to go. Uh, but the challenges are how do you scale the company and scale the product through different geographies and you want to make sure the speed is increasing rather than decreasing. And the biggest challenge we have today, uh, if you come into our board meetings, et cetera, is all about execution. Are we able to execute at the speed and the quality we, we need to do in order to win the market. Um, and to do this, uh, there's many, many ways to solve it. It's really all about talent and organizational structure and culture. And we all know culture, it's strategy for breakfast. And, mm. and we, we're doing great strides there as well. So uh, we just uh, announced today that we hired uh, Natalie Osman, uh, previously head of Samsung Pay Europe, and before that, a VP at American Express uh, to, uh, as a chief operating officer. Uh, to ensure the execution of the company uh, is uh, as, as performing and as ideal and efficient as possible and prepare the company for a, a scale-up uh, as we're adding about 10 people, new people every week. And uh, we need to make sure that the operating systems, the processes, the communications, the principles in the organization uh, are moving forward without harming the culture as we bring new people in. Uh, how very how would you move? Sorry, just to jump in, but how have you found your role evolving? Because when we spoke to you last, I mean, you would have been relatively hands-on, but now you're bringing in people like Natalie, who, as you say, real coup, COO coming from Samsung Pay, is going to come in with their own ideas, which is what you want, obviously, but they're with their own ideas and, and looking to take this organization forward. It is your organization. So I, I'm just wondering how you found that transition over the last couple of years. Uh, so it's a great question. It's, it's not my first company. And in all my companies, I always strive to build an anti-fragile uh, company. And to build a company which is anti-fragile, it means that every person in the company can make decisions uh, and take calculated risks. Uh, and therefore, we have the leadership principles that guides them how to do that. But more importantly, uh, we I also worked from the very beginning on building a very strong leadership team. And obviously, it's a matter that takes time. As the company matures, the risk dec decreases, and you can bring... Uh, uh, more expert, experienced and uh, people to help you scale the company because you can afford to pay them or because it's less risky for them uh, to come in and start operating in the company. 
so we have a very strong leadership team, which uh, Natalie is joining. Uh, the role of, of me as CEO uh, is obviously I must evolve uh, with the company, but the role definition itself never changed. As a CEO, I have four uh, very specific roles in the company, and I, I will caveat as a founder CEO, which is very different than a usual CEO of a large company, if you'd like. As a founder CEO, my four roles are setting direction, ensuring we have the right talents, ensuring we have money in the bank by building a sustainable business, for example, or going investment. And uh, the last one is what I call TCB, uh, which is taking care of business. Basically, every place the CEO needs to be or the founder CEO needs to be, I need to be there. For example, if we're meeting the CEO of Barclay, he would expect the founder CEO of Curve to come to the meeting as well. And uh, not because my team is incapable of doing the meeting, they probably can do it much better than uh, me in the room, uh, but this is the expectation of the market, therefore I need to be there. Uh, and that's how my role uh, in terms of what I need to do. But I must evolve with the company. And if I won't be able to evolve with the company, I'm not the right person to lead it. So there's a lot of learning about leadership, especially for the right culture here in the UK and in Europe, which is very different than the Israeli culture uh, that needs to be happening as the company scales up. And this is uh, where investing a lot of my time in evolving my leadership style, evolving me as a manager, uh, and evolving my role as a CEO as the company scales up and more authority and prerogative is being pushed downstream. Out of interest, you've, you've led a number of businesses and you allude there to the fact that you know you, you have to recognize whether you are the right person to be that leader. Does the founder always make the best CEO? It's almost it's almost kind of a given that the found a founder or the founder becomes the CEO, but I, I wonder if that's always the wisest thing for for some businesses. I don't believe the founder CEO is always the wisest thing, and uh, there's something unique in having the founder or CEO in a company, especially in early uh, stages, because the founder really cares and the founder can change things extremely extremely fast when they don't work. That's one of the problems in large corporates. The founder is not there and there is no living spirit or someone who can come like an arrow and immediately change things on their heads. And companies where you see the founder still active, you see the companies can move much faster. And it's remarkable to see that. And, but even the founder CEO needs to sometimes understand that, and, and I realize that, that the company reaches a certain size, a certain complexity, where you as shareholder would be better off to put another CEO uh, for that, the mm -hmm. father needs to put his ego aside, realize that, listen to his advisor, leadership team, and see whether he's the right person. He may not even like to do that. Uh, being a CEO is, is, is not such a, a great work. You're quite lonely. Uh, you, you, you're the, in the end, Starbucks with you. You need to take very hard decisions sometimes. Um, it's not necessarily a, a great role to be. And you can see very great companies um, have realized that before or after IPO and change the CEO, sometimes because the board asked them for, uh, if it's Uber or lately uh, WeWork, and sometimes because Larry and Sergey took the right advice and understood that the scale-up of the company right mm -hmm. now needs to move it from a very startup environment, entrepreneurial environment, into a more of a peacetime situation, which also aligns with the theory of a wartime CEO and peacetime CEO. So mm -hmm. founder CEOs are very good at wartime CEO grasping all the opportunities, ensuring the right strategy, ensuring the right culture, growing the company onwards. But once the company starts to be stable and, 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 and scaled it enough and the processes are there, then it can bring on a, a, a more experienced CEO that will ensure the company as a whole is much more efficient, productive, and administrated better. Yeah, fascinating. Look, I, I really appreciate you giving up some time and coming back on the show. 
it's really it's, it's it's genuinely fantastic to hear that you're doing so well um I hope it continues to go from strength to strength. If you're taking on 10 people a week, I'm sure it probably will. It sounds like it's an exciting period to be part of Curve. But thank you again for your time. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. And look forward to it a third time. Yeah, I hope so. Wonderful. Have a great day. I I love the idea of Curve because um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. One of the reasons I have Monzo and Revolut is less to do with where my money is held and more to do with the flexibility of the cards when I travel. Because oh, if you go yeah. to like, I don't yeah. know, if you find yourself in somewhere random like Philadelphia or Sofia or you go to Ukraine or you go to Italy and all these different places, like you're using different currencies, you're paying in different ways. And the flexibility that those cards gives you over traditional cards has always been one of the key attractions. Mm. But Curve have kind of got that and almost taken um, an iTunesy ecosystem approach to it, going well. We don't. We don't need to be the <laughs> bank. We just need to be the layer that makes it more accessible and flexible. I mean, careful comparing anyone to iTunes at the moment because the iTunes is going go, going into. Um, well, we, going, can, we can talk about it. We can talk about it in in the old the, the golden days. The ecosystem. Yes, yes, the like, ecosystem the layer. model works. Or, or maybe maybe then let's let's think about it like a like a like a Netflix, like a portal where you exactly. got all 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 the studios. Um, well, originally all the studios. Uh, material obviously now netflix are producing their own but yep. it's that idea that it gives you that access to other vendors information but you provide the layer that is interacted with by the you know with the ux and ui that the customers are using i mean i honestly think the idea to just consolidate all your cards or whatever as a as a standalone idea is phenomenally great um and that what they've done is added these kind of startup benefits or fintech benefits into or baked it into their uh, over the top platform which is which is great so you not only don't have horrible exchange fees and stuff like that when you do go abroad because let's be honest most of us got monzo for that reason but also yeah. you can you can consolidate all your cards together and it's it's seamless and it's, you know and that's, that's that's arguably the thing that impressed me most was you can go back up to 14 days and edit what card it came out of and i think that's yeah. that's phenomenal that's that's ridiculous that, that is amazing and i mean yeah. you know it says on our website it's really about you it seems to us you don't need another bank i still have my salary and all my bills going yeah. in and coming out of barclays yeah. despite yeah. having and using challenger yeah. banks no I'm, I'm exactly the same and i think that that goes on shachar's point about trust you know he actually says why wouldn't you trust these big banks to, to look after your money? And, you know, there there is a certain level of truth in that. Yes, some of them can be a little bit dodgy sometimes. But, hey, I think ultimately, and especially when you look at the data and their median age, especially the older, the older generation, and not even that old, you know, I still trust Lloyd's with my monthly salary as you still trust Barclays. I don't know why I haven't made that change over to Monzo when I transfer it all out immediately, but, hey, I just don't. So I think it but, is a little but bit But, again, it's building on that trust piece. Yeah. I, I, you know, you're saying we trust the traditional banks. I love Monzo. I yeah. love Revenant. Yeah. I don't know if I trust them. And I say this with the greatest amount of respect because we know people down there, but I don't know if I trust them with my salary yet. Right. Um, I can, I mean, yeah, I, no, I, I, it is trust, but it also isn't trust. Like I, I still, and this is the total wrong opinion to have, but do you not still think something could go wrong here with Monzo, with Revolut, with these guys? I mean, I know well, this is what I mean. This is, this yeah. is what I mean. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. It's high mentality, right? You know, those products, they, they have 
never let me down. Yep. They work. Yep. And I do actually have a pot, my, my house savings. So thousands yep. of pounds sit in yeah. Monzo. Yeah. So I have more money sitting in Monzo than I ever do in my current account at any given time. But for some reason, I can't make that cut on the umbilical cord yeah. to go and put my salary there. So look, I think what Curve are getting at, they, they are tapping into that psychology very yeah. smartly. And you don't need to trust every bank that you do. You know, you just need to trust that it's all in one card, which it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to his point, you know, focus on customers, build better products. Mm -hmm. It's all about execution. Can we execute the speed? You know, they, they've got a flexible solution that, that is tapping into the psychology probably of where most people are with regards to fintech right now. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I love as well his points about scaling. Scaling, we know, is a challenge mm. for the startup community. Um, and it's great to hear him talk about you, that you need principles and ops that won't harm that culture. They've brought a COO in to help them prepare for scale mm. so that all of those, the bricks and mortar of the business are going to be protected and work and not erode the stuff that the, 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 the kind of the, the, the fairy dust that makes it amazing. Well, it's, it sounds like he, um, them in general are very, very uh, good at looking for the exact right fit of people. You know, he he mentions uh, culture eat strategy for breakfast, which is one of those great things you love to hear. But, you know, this is a huge strategic hire for them at the same time. So, I mean, I'm sure culturally that the, the person coming over from Samsung Pay will fit in seamlessly. But, but also she's an expert. She's a strategic hire that is going to help them keep scaling at, at the rapid rate in which they're doing it. And one of the lessons that I, I absolutely feel that Shahar uh, lives and breathes and, 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 and is important for founders to, to take on board mm. is that he trusts, he's got a strong leadership team. He trusts oh, yeah. them. He's yeah. not going to be looking over their shoulder. And we yeah. know that that's where some businesses can run into problems. So, yeah. you know, they are scaling, they are successful, and there's some really good lessons out there for would-be entrepreneurs and other other founder CEO style people to, to to kind of take from this. And look, I am gonna have the back of anyone who will quote Elvis as one of their jobs. TCB <laughs> taking care of business. Elvis had it tattooed. It was his little slogan, and I think you know that is that is such a throwaway uh, line almost today. You know, taking care of business. It's almost a bit archaic you know taking care of business is a bit you know wolf of wall street -y almost but it's such a cool line tcb i mean aretha franklin sings about it if you're not taking care of business you're not a boss simple as that no there you go i think on that note we will move to our advert break stick with us afterwards we've got a bit of news that's focused around cybersecurity. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, short segment now just to round off your week, round off the podcast. As I said before the break, we are talking a little bit about cybersecurity, a little bit about social media. Um, it's Rebecca Vardy's account. Oh, just... <laughs> 
I mean, Dave, I'm not even lying. <laughs> I got goosebumps when you said that. This has been one of my absolute favourite stories of the year. And I mean, I mean, I think the best bit was is Rebecca Vardy is obviously someone who's not afraid to upset people. Um, and I fully believe that she has done this. Why? I've got no idea. But I just love the fact that she's cut her holiday short in Dubai to hire a crack team of IT security ex- experts. Good looking the- to the forensics. Yeah. I'd, I'd love, I'd love, I've been down at DTX the last couple of days. It used to be IP Expo. Lots of security people there. If anyone's listening who's in the security industry who could who could go and have a look at this story and actually tell us if if any of this makes any sense uh that would be fantastic but i do i look we're joking around a little bit but i do think that there is some relevance here because you know we like to talk yeah. about tech stories we've talked a lot about instagram and social in the yeah. past um and this is this is i think this is peak insta right this this is what it's goes quality. wrong yeah i mean it's just amazing how colleen i mean she conducted a whole experiment you know i just imagine her i I imagine her sitting there writing the thesis going wayne what do you think about this wayne doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on she's like oh bloody i've got i've got no good sounding board here so she's had to do it all herself as well right and she has just got to the bottom of it and she's so perfectly encapsulated her spirit and mood in that one instagram post it's rebecca vardy's account Oh, I might get that tattooed on me, actually. <laughs> I mean, look, apart from it being ridiculous, okay? Mm. I mean, the fact that Liz Truss was 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 talking about it, I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. Um, She'll talk about anything, though, won't she? You know, don't share these, you know, don't share stories that you wouldn't want in the press or other people knowing on social media. I mean, the thing is... That no, but she, I, did, I, she did do that thing on Instagram where this, it was her private Instagram account and within her private Instagram account, it was uh, a story just for close friends. Now, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, going back to trust, I'd, I'd struggle to trust any Vardy, but, <laughs> you know, she obviously had a friendship there and it was an abuse of power. And if it turns out that Rebecca Vardy did do this, you have to just think, why? Money's not an issue. Fame's not an issue. She also outed herself as the secret wag that writes in The Sun this week, which was fantastic. The, the, the lesson here, right, is is to be careful what you share on social media, to make sure that you really do trust people that you're sharing information with. Mm. And, you know, we often talk about um, the fact that, that kids are growing up with, as digital natives and their parents don't really understand the platforms that they're on. Well, here is the cautionary tale of don't talk to strangers, effectively, because yep. Rebecca Vardy quite clearly uh, is a digital stranger to Colleen, even if she might pretend to be her friend. Yep, absolutely. You, you just don't know what people are sharing about you behind the scenes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, if anyone is, is keen for a good laugh before we sign off, Marina Hyde, at <laughs> Marina Hyde, Marina Hyde's article in The Guardian is laugh out loud genius. Wagnerock. I mean... <laughs> For any any Marvel fans out there, or for any uh, I suppose Nordic mythology fans out there, Ragnarok, like I think it means something like the apocalypse is coming or some. Uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is a brilliant article. Yeah. Anyway, look. Um, last quick uh, thing to mention in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to sign up to the Harvey Nash Technology Survey results on Thursday night, which is coming from General Assembly. I'm hosting the panel with some really fantastic people. So, who you got, Dave? You don't, huh? Who you got on the panel? 
Uh, so we've got Elizabeth Tweedale, who's been on here from Cypher, you know, yep. teaching kids how to code. Yep, um, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So we've got the global CTO of Mediacom, Nadine. Mm. Um, so very interesting. Simon Fillery, who is a Dibs consultant. Oh. What's Dibs? What's Dibs? Uh, it's not a song by Chelsea. What's her face? Digital something banking solution. No. No. Diversity. <laughs> investment uh, sorry diversity oh. inclusion and belonging oh okay, okay, okay. diversity okay. inclusion and belonging uh and finally sophie theme oh okay yeah we know yeah. sophie yeah absolutely head of talent now at verve so a couple of podcast friends there and a couple of new faces it'll be worth it absolutely anyway jack have a lovely weekend thank you for joining me on the show today i can't believe we didn't even mention newcastle beating man united last weekend <laughs> <laughs>